This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Right now, reports on home sales and consumer confidence lead today's data. Let's talk with Gus Fauche, chief economist at PNC Financial Services based in Pittsburgh. Gus, let's begin with home sales. Those number rising. What's behind that? Um, you know, interest rates remain low. People uh, are still very interested in owning a single-family home and moving out of the, the city into the suburbs. Um, you know, supplies are very low right now, so I think that sales will be constrained until we see uh, more homes on the market. And going forward, I mean, as interest rates are changing, there is an expectation that not only will wider interest rates rise, but mortgage rates will as well. Is there a concern that may stunt some of this surge? Um, you know, I, I still think that demand is very strong, and although interest rates will be increasing, it will be slow. Uh, so I don't think rising rates are going to have much of an impact on the housing market. Uh, it's more a question of, of whether buyers are going to be able to find what they're looking for, given that there are just few homes on the market right now. And that, and, and I guess this is good, just depending upon which side you're on, that, that's good for people selling, right? Because that raises prices. That, that's right. And, and so it means that, first of all, hopefully more people will put their homes on the market as they see the price that they can get for it. Also, it's good news for consumer spending. If, if homes are worth more than households are wealthier, and that makes them more likely to spend. So that's good for economic growth in 2022. And talk about home sales in general. I mean, we know home building really impacts the wider economy. There's a lot that goes into that. Uh, is it the same with sales of existing homes or is that pretty much buyer, seller, realtor that are making money in that? situation. No, because people, when they buy a new home, they buy new furniture, they may make renovations to it and so forth. So obviously the economic impact isn't as big as it is with the building a new home, but still existing home sales do add to economic growth. And we think that that's going to be a factor supporting the economy in 2022. Let's talk about consumer confidence. Everyone's been paying attention to that, wondering what would happen, especially with different ups and downs of the virus. What are we seeing there? Um, you know, consumer confidence held steady. Um, you know, we did. We have seen a slight decline over the past couple of months. Higher inflation is a factor there. But the truth is, is that households are in good shape. Uh, even with higher inflation, they still have a lot of stimulus money saved up. The job market continues to get better. As we mentioned, home values are up. Um, stock values, you know, they've been up and down, but generally up over the past year and a half substantially. Uh, and so I think the conditions for consumers are still pretty good, even with the higher prices that they're facing. And when it comes to consumer confidence, I don't know if we can see this or not. Do you see a connection between how people are feeling and how much money they spend or is that connection not as clear? 
Um, I would pay more attention to what people are doing than what they're saying. Um, occasionally, we do get disconnects between consumer confidence and consumer spending. Um, we have seen a bit weakening in some confidence measures lately, but consumers continue to spend because they have all that money saved up. Uh, so I'm less concerned about consumer confidence at this point, given that households appear to be out there spending, and it looks like a very good uh, holiday retail se- season. Thanks so much for all the analysis, Gus Fauché, chief economist at PNC Financial Services. It is not the season for holiday new car deals. Dealers suffering through minimal inventories. Let's find out more about it. John McElroy is here, automotive industry analyst and host of AutoLine.TV, based in Detroit. Uh, John, I I see this in my neighborhood. There are several car dealers, and I've seen something I've never seen before, where the cars are staggered on the lot. You know, every few parking spaces, instead of usually being jammed in there, and they even have cars on the lawn normally. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Cisco. They're spreading them out. I mean, it's almost like social distancing for cars in the parking lot of a dealership. But it's because they're just trying to make it look like there's more cars on the lot. You know, if people drive by a, a dealership and there's nothing out there, they're not even going to bother to go in if they're in the, you know, out looking for a new car. So dealers are trying to do anything that they can to make it look like they've got plenty of things to buy. So what's behind it? Is it the computer chips? Yeah, it really is. I mean, if this chip shortage was solved, boy, the the automotive industry's problems would just about go away overnight. There's some other shortages, too, but, but the real problem is these computer chips. So what happens to the dealers? I mean, how do they respond to this? I mean, I'm guessing there's really no deals, right, because they don't have to. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Dealers are making more profit than they ever have before. With limited inventory... They're, they're charging full rate, you know, the full MSRP. And in many cases, they're tacking on several thousand dollars more on top of that. And it's just been astonishing to see people pay those kinds of prices. But right now, dealers, I mean, this is the golden age. They've never made this kind of money before. Does this, I mean, I'm thinking some people are, are just dealing with the cycle where your car comes to the end of its useful life and you're in a position where you have no choice. You have to get a car and it doesn't matter how much you have to pay. You need it. That's right. If your car's worn out, boy, lots of luck because the same problem exists with used cars. You can't even go out and find a nice used car right now or while well, you can't, but it's hard and you're going to pay top dollar for it. So um, talk about what may get us out of this, especially if you have a situation where the dealers are making money. They figured out a way to make it work. Uh, are they benefited by hurrying up and getting more inventory? Would it, would it be more gradual for them? I mean, how, how would they work their way out of this? Well, look, you know, uh, the auto industry would love to have enough computer chips. You know, we're Cisco, we're going to build about 5 million fewer new vehicles this year than before COVID hit and before the chip shortage hit. So automakers would, would and their dealers would love to have a lot more inventory. Having said that, things will get a little bit better in 2022. They'll get better still in 2023. But the industry's not out of the woods on this. And by the way, they're not going back to having acres and acres of inventory. The car companies and the dealers have learned that if they keep inventory tight, they can they don't have to offer any deals. And they're going to try to maintain that for as long as they can. And people are even willing to, more than before, to order cars now and have it delivered a month or two down the line. Man, it's to be really good for the dealers. It, it, it is, but guess what? It's also good for the consumer. 
you can actually save a little bit money if you've got the time, if you can order a car and wait a couple of months, you're probably going to get a better price than buying it right off the lot. Talk about the long-term repercussions of this, because if you, as you say, you're building many fewer cars now, it seems like it's going to present a used car problem down the line. Well, we already have a used car problem, and so that's not going away. But the long-term implications are that the, the industry, including dealers and, and automakers, were worried about affordability. I mean, new cars are getting so expensive right now. And in the last year, they've jumped by an average of $5,000. And so, you know, if they were worried about it before, it's even a bigger problem now. They're pricing households out of the new car market. And there's a lot of resentment out there, too, that dealers are tacking on thousands of dollars on top of the MSRP, taking advantage of the tight situation here. So none of this is good for the auto industry in the long run, except for the fact that they're making great money. Yeah, at least in the short run. Yeah, good insight, as always, from John McElroy. You can find him online at autoline.tv. Cashing in with conversation. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Personal Finance Wednesday. This year has featured the rise of buy now, pay later programs for consumers. We're joined by Ed Jertson, certified financial planner, founder of Engage Wealth Group, found online at engagewealthgroup.com. Uh, Ed, are we talking about layaway? What, what do we talk about when we say buy now, pay later? Yeah, buy now, pay later plans or these BNLPL uh, plans are relatively new. And the big difference between layaway plans that people traditionally have embraced and these new plans are that you actually get to walk out the door with the merchandise or have the merchandise sent to you online before completing the payments. So that whole need of instant gratification is met. And then the, the potential financial you know side of it comes out months and months later. So this is instead of putting it on a credit card, which is basically the same thing you're engaged in this relationship with the store in order to get the merchandise yeah this is mostly done through stores but these are third parties so similar to visa and mastercard these are companies that make deals and relationships with you know some of the bigger retailers out there and, and these companies get a little bit of money from the transaction but ultimately like you said it's similar to a credit card but there are a lot of things that are different and consumers need to be very aware of what they're getting themselves into before just clicking and jumping onto one of these platforms well let's find out what are some of those differences that people should be concerned about yeah, I think the number one thing is that because of the ease of use of these programs, that people aren't aware of the implications that, you know, what happens if they don't pay? What are the, what are the interests or the penalties or the fees that are associated with that? For credit cards, generally people understand how they work, but also a lot of these BNPL plans don't do a credit check. So what that means is that some people who might not be available to get a credit card because of a, a challenged credit score might be easily able to get on one of these BNPL plans. And the challenge behind that is that they may already be stretched with their credit in terms of how they've used their credit in the past. So just be very careful and read all the details on these plans. In general, at the holiday time, do you, do you find people you know, a little more willing to get into debt because they have these gifts that they want to buy? 
Yeah, I mean, consumer spending and how we pay for things have changed dramatically since the late 50s with the revolving credit cards and now with these buy now, pay later programs. Unfortunately, they allow consumers to spend way more than they probably should because we're not spending cash anymore. We're using these sort of facilities to help us spend more. And we're seeing more and more people getting themselves into a challenge buying more than they normally would because of that availability of that credit line. And then they spend the whole rest of the year paying off last year's Christmas. Yeah, you know, as, as you know, as generous as we want to be to folks, that's exactly it, Cisco. So we don't want to have financial pain in the new year. We've got a lot of things to worry about and a lot of things to save for. But to your point, right, mindful spending is important. Don't fall into the trap of having that pain of paying off these programs throughout a year or two years. Thanks so much, Ed Jertsen, Certified Financial Planner with Engage Wealth Group. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Another dose of Personal Finance Wednesday. Money philosophy can be a tricky subject as couples get to know one another. Let's talk about the importance of the discussion. Mark Horner, Wealth Advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management. You can find them online at fairhavenwealth.com. Okay, Mark, so couples are supposed to talk money. How early in the relationship should they begin talking money? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Cisco, with it being with it being tricky. I, you know, and I think I think uh, we all should probably tread a little carefully on this. I, I've seen some advisors out there talk about, you know, it's the first, second, or third, or third date. I've even seen some people recommend that, you know, for that first day, why don't you suggest splitting the check uh, just out of the gate so you can get money on the table early? That th- those all sound like just horrible ideas. Uh, completely, completely getting off the getting the balance out of whack, that, that relationships, I think, very much are, are about balance. Money certainly being a, a factor, but not, but not the factor. So, uh, you know, I think, I think, again, it's important to, it's important to, go, to go slowly. And I've, I've also seen some people uh, recommend asking questions. There, again, I think that's bad advice. I would, I would be far more inclined to be sharing information uh, with your with your data about your own feelings about about money or your own experiences or maybe even sharing third party uh, experiences. It may be a friend was talking about uh, this money issue the other day, and I wasn't sure about uh, how I how I felt about that. To start to facilitate the conversation and not have this be be some sort of here I got I need you to fill out a risk tolerance questionnaire and make this a money inquisition. Well, yeah, because then it feels more like a compatibility test, right? And instead of just a conversation you might have with anyone. It, it does. It does. And, and the reality is that the, the surveys that, that talk about when relationships go south, money, if it's not at the top of the money issues, or if it's not at the top of the list is, is on the, is on the very, uh, like the top five. So it is, it is a reality to, that is important to get on the same page as, as far as how, how you each feel about money, how you think about risk, what your experiences have been. But, but to think about that as, as more of a, 
a, a journey uh, that that's not an issue that needs to get solved on that on that very first or maybe even tenth tenth date. And so uh, early on, you, you mentioned splitting the bill. T- tell us about that. You, you have that discussion right when you decide on the first date, like, hey, who's going to pay here? Well, I, well, again, I've seen other people. I've seen other people advocate that. I think that's a terrible way to start it <laughs> to start a relationship. I mean, that you, that that completely ignores the idea that most relationships are getting started. You're you're trying to impress the other person, and to start out going Dutch sounds just absolutely absolutely awful. Uh, but but I think it's you know I think it's it's reasonable to to pay attention to what it is that what it is your uh, your partner is suggesting. So I would say. If they are constantly suggesting we go to dinner at Morton's uh, or, or name your name your expensive steakhouse, that maybe that's not a great sign. But at, but at the other end of the spectrum, if they're always suggesting, hey, let's split a happy meal for for dinner, that that that's probably also not a great not a great sign. And so and so finding you know finding your finding your way uh, with, with each other. Uh, to strike a balance around money issues, I think is the, I think is the important point. While also recognizing that relationships are about more than just money. And I'm thinking you can talk about your investing, for example. Uh, you know, not 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 in a flashy way, but in a way to see if that other person cares about investing. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think a great way to facilitate conversations is to talk about uh, failures or fears, or, or, to, or to come to come at conversations about if you're come if you're a recent college grad, you've got some student don't, loan debt hanging over your head, which is a reality for, for for many people. To go ahead and talk to go ahead and talk about that that you're you know you you wish you maybe had less debt, and so coming I think coming at communication from a, a perspective of sharing information rather than asking for a bunch of information is a wonderful way to get any any relationship any relationship started and then uh, you know for those for those people that are already in relationships so maybe uh, maybe you're dealing with some with some money issues it can be very helpful to have an independent third party as part of those discussions so I can't tell you how many times in my career as a financial advisor uh, members of members of a of a of a uh, husband wife relationship one one will use me as the scapegoat for you know well the financial advisor says this doesn't quite fit in the financial plan or maybe we should run this past the the financial advisor having an independent third party to to uh mediate maybe some of those some of those money discussions and be the scapegoat when when needed that can be very helpful for healthy relationships uh, and talking about it early even as you say you may maybe not first date or anything but talking about it early that eliminates the really really difficult thing of six months down the line maybe you're talking marriage and you go oh by the way i have one hundred and fifty thousand in student loan debt you know you know, it, it sort of avoids those bombs being dropped when you're already really attached very well said. So waiting for that, waiting for that bomb of here's the here's the credit card bill as we're walking out of the church, getting getting married. I think that's probably the ship has sailed. So so uh, so starting those conversations uh, earlier, I think just lead uh, in the in the right you know in the right the right way uh, can, can lead to much more healthy uh, relationships around around money, which, which again is a, is a legitimate, is a legitimate and very real issue for us all. And are you also not only trying to get things settled before you would get married, are you also trying to see how comfortable is this person going to be talking about money after we're married? Because it's not like the money talk stops when you walk down the aisle. 
It does not, right? It, it gets more complicated. So when it's time to buy that first house, or you're buying a you're buying a car together, or you're or when if kids start to start to arrive, no, the 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 money issue money issues that we deal with when we're coming out of school only get more complicated, or tend to get more complicated as life as life moves along. So so being being able to have a comfortable conversation in a non-judgmental, non-judgmental way, working to get on the same page with one another is an incredibly important, important skill. And, and the sooner you get working on that, again, absent the let's go Dutch on the first date idea, <laughs> absent, absent that, the, the earlier you get used to working uh, and talking about those things together, likely the more healthy your relationship is going to be in the longer run. Thanks so much. Mark Horner, Wealth Advisor at Fairhaven Wealth Management. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. For many, it's a dream, something they look forward to, paying off that mortgage early. Is it a good idea? Rick Sharga is here, Executive Vice President at Realty Track. Uh, Rick, I guess that's my first question to you. Is it necessarily a good idea to pay off that mortgage early? Well, everybody's situation is a little different, Cisco. Uh, for, for a lot of uh, mortgage payers, uh, there's an opportunity to pay your mortgage off earlier, and that can save you thousands of dollars in interest over the life of your loan. So so there are some benefits for people who are, are able to get that mortgage paid off earlier, but, but there are some other things to consider as well. And so what's maybe the first thing people should consider if they want to know it? Because, you know, as we mentioned, a lot of people really dream of this. Yeah, as, as a mortgage holder myself, I, I can share that dream. I, I understand what they're thinking. Uh, there, there are some tax benefits in having a mortgage, uh, and that's something that goes away if you pay the mortgage off. That's something to think about. One of the things they really need to take a look at is the mortgage documents themselves, because a lot of mortgages were written with something called a prepayment penalty, which means if you pay your mortgage off earlier than the term, you're actually going to owe the lender uh, you know, anywhere from hundreds to thousands of dollars that, that you probably hadn't anticipated. So those those are two things to, to think about initially uh, prior to paying a mortgage off early. Are there any tax issues for you to think about, positive or negative? Yeah, again, it, it, there even with the, the revised tax laws that, that were put in place several years ago, there are still some tax benefits for most mortgage uh, uh, for most mortgages. So uh, paying that mortgage off early could have negative tax implications. Um, for, for some borrowers, too, there, there might be a better way to use the extra money they would be putting toward paying their mortgage off earlier, um, maybe invest that money and, and, uh, and see your, your net worth grow uh, rather than, than use the extra money to pay your mortgage off uh, earlier. Um, and and there, there also might be an opportunity to tap into the equity in your house uh, to, to pay down other bills uh, that have higher interest rates. One one other thing to, to think about right now is for most borrowers, uh, the interest rate they're paying on their mortgage is lower than today's inflation rate. So in, in a weird way, making your monthly mortgage payment, if you have a 3% or 4% loan, you're actually saving money uh, compared to, to today's rate of inflation, which is about 6%. Yeah, these are very, very interesting times for sure. Thank you, Rick Sharga, Executive Vice President at Realty Track. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 